Blog Talk Radio. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is Friday, April the 21st, 2017, and the clock just keeps on rolling along, and I'm happy to join you at the end of the week. Lots to talk about, lots to cover, lots to consider this evening. But first of all, I welcome you to the program those of you who are new to this program perhaps are not familiar with me. Uh, to briefly state it, I'm a retired senior special agent with what used to be the Immigration and Naturalization Service. And uh, ever since the terrorist attacks of 9-11, ever since those ashes landed on my home in Brooklyn, and uh, so many innocent people, including a number of my neighbors, lost their lives to that horrific act of terror, I have taken it personally uh, made it a, um, a personal battle, if you will, to try to get our leaders and our fellow Americans to understand the true significance of the immigration crisis that for decades has made uh, lives dangerous in this country, has taken from Americans their lives, their livelihoods, their fair share of the American dream, not through any fault of their own, but because our government, irrespective of political party, has sold out the American people. Our politicians have forgotten that this country was supposed to be all about being of the people, by the people, and for the people, not the corporations, not the special interest groups, not the attorneys, but we, the people. And once that uh, perspective was lost, we ran into some very serious problems, and it's not one party or the other. It is both parties that have done this to us. And I know that there are some political sacred cows out there that so many folks uh, look up to and admire and respect, and uh, all too often uh, those feelings of warmth are misdirected. Jimmy Carter started the nonsense about telling immigration employees to no longer use the term illegal alien to describe illegal aliens, but to start referring to them as undocumented immigrants blurring the distinction between lawful immigrant, illegal alien, and even United States citizen. Sheer madness, sheer betrayal. But President Reagan, and I know so many of my uh, conservative and Republican friends, you know, I'm a registered Democrat, full disclosure, can't tell you the last time I voted for a Democrat. The wheels have certainly come off their wagon, and it's very upsetting to see what that party has morphed into. But Uh, Ronald Reagan, I know so many people think so highly of him, but he gave us the first amnesty. That's irrefutable. He never hired more immigration agents because that was why we uh, ran into the problem with illegal aliens back then. We were given assurances that only about a million, million and a half illegal aliens would participate in the program by the time the bureaucratic dust settled. uh, Between three and a half and four million aliens had come out of the shadows. And once legalized, they brought their families here through chain migration. Uh, I, I would not be surprised. I don't have the numbers, but I certainly would not be surprised 
if more underage children came to America legally than the number of aliens who were granted lawful status by the Reagan administration. And then the Reagan administration added insult to injury by including a confidentiality provision to the Immigration Reform and Control Act of 1986, the enabling legislation that made the the knowing hire of illegal aliens a a, a crime, but um, also provided in that same legislation the provision that said that immigration agents under no circumstances could share information, photographs, addresses, you name it, contained in amnesty files with any other law enforcement agency without a court order. Without a court order. This was an open invitation to fraud. If in fact, and, has, and as it actually happened to me, if I can get the words out, if an FBI agent came to me or a detective came to me telling me that they were working a murder investigation where lives were at risk, think about that. If I simply handed over that amnesty file, I could have been prosecuted for a five-year felony. Now, if the file in question was an immigration file that related to citizenship, lawful immigration, anything but amnesty, by law we were compelled, and rightfully so, to share all of the information in that file with the other agencies so they could put a case together, make an arrest, and get a bad guy off the street. But in theory... If the FBI came to me breathlessly and said there's a guy driving through midtown Manhattan with an atomic weapon in the back of his truck, we need photographs. And if the only photos I had were in the amnesty file, I was barred by law, a law that Mr. Reagan gave us, great law, that stated I could not simply turn the photos over. That agent would have to get me a court order. Now, think about that betrayal. Think about the betrayal of how George W. Bush created what I came to call the Department of Homeland Surrender in response to the Homeland Security Act that was enacted in response to the 9-11 Commission, in response to the findings um, of what they were initially developing, that immigration was the primary vulnerability that enabled the terrorists to enter the United States and carry out their terrorist attacks. So both parties bear responsibility. And I don't even want to talk about what Obama did to us because he totally blew the doors off the hinges. And the narrative has been so carefully crafted and perfected over the past several decades that immigration laws that have absolutely nothing to do with race, religion, or ethnicity, if they did, I never, ever could have enforced those laws. But those laws don't have anything to do with race, religion, or ethnicity. In the public mind today, immigration law enforcement is to be equated with xenophobia, racism, and hatred, when nothing could be further from the truth. This is how carefully that message has been crafted by the news media, by the pollsters. These polls are outrageous if you stop and analyze their so-called scientific polls. If those polls are scientific, then uh, Dr. Frankenstein is a medical hero, a genius. It's bizarre. And then you've got the politicians from both sides of the aisle. And this is wherein lies our problem, because since 9-11, we've had more people killed, more attacks carried out 
by aliens who easily gamed the immigration system to enter the United States, embed themselves in the United States, and go about their terrorist plans. Uh, case in point, Faisal Shahzad, the Times Square bomber. Thankfully, he killed nobody, but he set off a bomb in Times Square back in 2010, and Ray Kelly, the New York City Police Commissioner. And I would argue the NYPD is the most sophisticated in this country, if not the world, described Faisal Shahzad as a classic example of a homegrown terrorist. In point of fact, Faisal Shahzad came to the United States from Pakistan at the age of 20 on a student visa and subsequently became a naturalized United States citizen, clearly the background investigation done on him was less than zip, nothing as far as I'm concerned, because the law requires a good moral character investigation, but those went out the window with the Clinton administration, yet another administration that sold us out. And I could give you more details about Citizenship USA, but this is old territory that we've gone over. But I'm just trying to give you the flavor of how screwed up things are. The Boston Marathon attack of 2013 is, again, a direct result of failures of the immigration system. The Tsarnaya family was granted political asylum. They said, we can't go back to Russia. If we go back, we face persecution or worse. And as soon as we gave them political asylum, they willingly jumped on airplanes and flew back to Russia making it clear that they lied. They committed immigration fraud. Immigration fraud was identified by the 9-11 Commission, to which I provided testimony, that immigration fraud was the number one entry and embedding tactic of the terrorists. And what have we done to remedy that problem? Well, until the, this current administration, less than nothing. Less than nothing. Mr. Obama flooded the United States with refugees who cannot be vetted, approved applications for lawful status by illegal aliens by the hundreds of thousands under DACA, the Deferred Action Childhood Arrivals. <clears throat> Some of these people turned out to be criminals. We had the surges of unaccompanied minors coming across the southwest border starting in 2013, flooding America with these kids, a number of whom turn out to be members of the violent and virulent MS-13 We've just had murders committed here on Long Island and elsewhere in the United States. I began investigating MS-13 approximately 25 years ago. And by the not-so-benign neglect of the administrations that followed, the Clinton administration, the Bush administration, the Obama administration, MS-13 metastasized and grew into a monster that is wrecking havoc on towns and cities across America dumping narcotics into those communities and violence, dead bodies, and so forth. This is the madness of failures of the immigration system. Yet if you ever dare talk about it, you're accused of xenophobia. Never mind that the bulk of the victims of MS-13 are members of the Latino ethnic immigrant communities. Don't mention that because that would only provide facts that the open borders anarchists can't refute, so they just shut down the discussion. And if you look at the news media, while they will bring in valid, honest-to-God, expert, um, I, I want to say witnesses, but certainly people with expertise, people who could qualify as expert witnesses at trial to talk about any other topic, when the topic turns to immigration, you will never see a former Interior Enforcement ICE agent on the show, or almost never. But what you will see are pundits, radio talk show hosts, 
pollsters, analysts, and analysts' view is very narrow, lacks real-world understanding. They sit there and cut out paper dolls and figure statistics, not understanding how the system works. And we're going to have a little bit of a a discussion about that momentarily. But this is how bad things have gotten. I am so relieved that today Donald Trump is in the White House, that Attorney General Jeff Sessions, one of my true heroes in the United States Senate, now the Attorney General, uh, and uh, Secretary Kelly, DHS uh, head, uh, have been spending the past couple days down on the southwest border looking at the disaster that that has become. And, in fact, that's what I'm going to start talking about today because that parallels an article I just wrote for Front Page Magazine. But uh, just as an overview, please understand that when we look at immigration, when you listen to this program, what I'm trying to provide to you, and I've been determined to do this ever since 9-11, is to counter the lies and the utter, utter nonsense that has been spewed by alleged journalists who wouldn't know an honest story if it bit them on the nose. And this has to stop. The American people not only deserve better, but can't function as members of a true democracy if they are kept from the truth or if the truth is kept from them. Democracies depend on a well-informed electorate. Otherwise, how in the world can you make proper decisions in the voting booth? How in the world can you approach your alleged representative, whether it's on the local state or federal level if you have no idea what's going on we depend on the news organizations so-called to enlighten us to inform us when an airplane crashes unless it happens in your neighborhood you have no way of knowing about it you generally know about it because you turn on the tv or the radio or pick up a newspaper that's how we get our information and of course increasingly through the internet But without the information, we are flying blind. And today you could say we're flying blind in a storm. And the news intentionally does that to us. I call this the mushroom treatment. The goal is to keep Americans in the dark and feed them a lot of uh, fertilizer. This program is the antidote to that lunacy. I hope you find it helpful, informative. I try to make it interesting. And if you do think my program is worthwhile, if you think the articles that I write for a number of websites, Front Page Magazine, The Social Contract, CapsWeb.org, if you like my articles or you like my website, MichaelCutler.net, please, I ask, tell your friends, tell your neighbors, post it in the social media, whether it's Facebook or Twitter. Uh, I'm a techno dinosaur beyond my um, commentaries that I blog. I generally don't do social media. Everyone's after me to do it. I probably should learn how to do it. But the idea is to get the information out there. You need to know what's going on. Ignorance is not bliss. Ignorance is dangerous. Ignorance is dangerous. Ignorance gets people killed. And that's why governments have intelligence services. They want to have intelligence. Well, you need to have intelligence also. Again, this is part of my mission as a retired senior special agent with what used to be the Immigration and Naturalization Service. So that said, I've mentioned the websites I want you to visit. Just to reiterate, uh, I write for CAPSWeb.org, Californians of Population Stabilization. I've been doing an awful lot of writing for Front Page Magazine. They're a great organization sponsored by the David Horowitz Freedom Center. They do phenomenal work. Uh, I've also been doing some videos for the Glazov Gang, 
Jamie Glazov is one of the editors over at Front Page. Those are two separate operations, but um, you know our, our our efforts all seem to dovetail. It's about informing America, and boy, isn't it pathetic that with all the sources of information out there, the concerted effort made by the mainstream media to keep us in the dark. Uh, I don't even know how to explain my rage to you. And also, of course, my own personal website, obviously my favorite, michaelcutler.net. So let me start out. Uh, we should probably do this chronologically. On April the 18th, uh, I wrote an article for Front Page Magazine called Media Outrage Over the Forcible Ejection of an Airline Passenger and the subtitle, Where is the Outrage Over the Millions of Americans Ejected from Their Jobs? If you remember, there was a uh, doctor, Chinese-American doctor, David Dow, who was forced out of his seat on a United Airlines flight. I believe it was in Chicago, and the media went nuts. He was apparently minding his own business, sitting on that in his seat, and the airline tried to get some people to agree to take vouchers so they could travel for free on other flights and so forth, and they had no takers. So they decided that they would spin the, the Flying Fickle Finger Award uh, wheel of misfortune and just pick four people and yank them off the airplane. And Dr. Dow resisted and wound up getting dragged off. Apparently he was slugged. At least that's what he's alleging. I wasn't there, and I'm not sure what transpired. And the news accounts are all over the map. But there are those horrific images of, of them dragging him um, like a limp rag doll or whatever it was, down the aisle of the airplane and out the door of the plane. And everybody got upset, and people talked about, well, the law permits the airlines to do this. Whatever happened to the customer comes first. Goodness gracious. I, I certainly would not be happy if I had, let's say, a speaking engagement, and I'm told, we're taking you off the flight, and now I know I'm going to be late for an event that I have arranged for months to participate in. I certainly wouldn't be happy. And Dr. Dow claimed that his problem was that he had to see a patient. I'll take him at his word. So we saw that horrible image, and it upset many people, understandably. But here's the reason I'm talking about that incident. You might be wondering, what does this have to do with immigration? Well, as the subtitle goes, where's the outrage over the Americans who were dragged out of their factories, dragged out of their offices, dragged off their jobs, to be replaced by illegal aliens or aliens who were admitted into America with the complicity of the U.S. government with the H-1B visa and other such visa programs and lost their jobs. Now, it's interesting because if you listen to the media, if you listen to the politicians, if you listen to the pollsters, and I wrote an article a while back about how Americans are being shafted by those polls as a bit of an ugly image, why is it that when we talk about immigration, everyone is now convinced because of the media and the politicians and the pollsters that this is a left-right issue? The Democrats are compassionate and want these people to stay here, and the Republicans and the conservatives are evil, and they want to tear these people out of the bosoms of their families and send them home. You know, when you make arrests, whether it's for drunk driving, whether it's for tax evasion, whether it's for selling narcotics, whatever the offense, people are taken away from their families because they violated the law. The judge doesn't say to some guy that robbed the bank, 
Oh, Mr. Jones, you have a wife and children. Okay, I'm not going to put you in jail because we'd be separating you from your family. So you can go home now. You think that happens? Of course it doesn't. Of course it doesn't. But somehow immigration is special. You have a, the state court judge, a chief judge for the New, York, for the New Jersey state court system, saying that he, he doesn't want immigration agents to arrest illegal aliens in the courthouses. And why not? Would he tell that to the FBI if they were looking for a terrorist or the DEA if they were looking for a drug dealer? Of course you want to do it in the courthouse. Why? Because these people have gone through metal detectors. It's safer for everybody. It's safer for the agents. It's also good for public safety so you don't have a running gun battle in the middle of a street or in the middle of an apartment house. Think about that. So the lunacy is immigration is a special topic. And any illegal alien is here is a wonderful human being simply dying to scrub dishes in the back of a greasy spoon diner for substandard wages or mow somebody's lawn. That's the image. does not square with reality, but it's the lie that we have been spoon-fed for decades. Half of my career, folks, I was with the Drug Enforcement Task Force, the Organized Crime Drug Enforcement Task Force, and I was also with DEA Intelligence. So those two assignments occupied just under half of my entire 30-year career with the INS. Do you know that the second greatest number of agents who are assigned to the Joint Terrorism Task Force are immigration enforcement agents? That's how significant our immigration laws are. Do you know that most terrorists commit visa fraud or immigration benefit fraud? Finding of the 9-11 Commission. You'd never know it, but that's how it goes. There's a great movie on cable TV. I enjoyed watching it. They, they took a little bit of artistic license with it, but it did not really I- impact the, the overall significance of the movie. And it's based on historic fact called The Bridge of Spies about the Rudolph Abel spy case. Uh, those of you not old enough to remember the story, Abel was a Russian spy arrested by the FBI back in the 50s, along with immigration agents, by the way, for violation of immigration law. That was how he got arrested. And so understand the significance of our immigration statutes. So that movie, Bridge of Spies, and you find out uh, that in 1960, a spy pilot for the United States flying a U-2 aircraft over Russia, Francis Gary Powers, shot down, was ultimately swapped for uh, Rudolph Abel. Tom Hanks played the uh, part of the lawyer who uh, engineered that, that prisoner exchange. Amazing story. Uh, But again, read between the lines. It's an immigration story as much as it's anything else. People don't realize the true significance of America's immigration laws. That's how significant they are. They go to nothing less than national security. So we have this false narrative. And so if anyone says we should enforce the law, you're immediately identified as a right-wing nut. Oh, my God. This guy has no compassion, no consideration. He must be a right-wing fascist. And, and that's the kind of language that we are hearing applied to Donald Trump. Now, perhaps his language was a little bit um, coarse. You know, what can I say? He's certainly not going to be accused of being a wordsmith, the president. But the notion of securing borders, the notion of enforcing our immigration laws, uh, couldn't be more compassionate 
but primarily for Americans. And what's wrong with that? And primarily for lawful immigrants. When you eradicate the distinction between lawful immigrant and illegal alien, think of the way that you discredit lawful immigrants. And America has the most generous policies where immigration is concerned. Every year, the United States admits roughly one million lawful immigrants. They're granted green cards. They are immediately placed on the pathway to citizenship. They are entitled to work in the United States. They're entitled to bring their wives and their children here or their husbands and their children here. We're very compassionate, very generous, very understanding. So this notion about compassion, and by the way, when you look at a country like Mexico, where at least 10% of their people now live in the United States, Mexico has a wonderful uh, population. They're industrious and hardworking. The Mexican economy is either number 16 or number 17 in the world. That country has huge natural resources, petroleum, and so forth. So why are there people coming here? Because there's an oligarchy in Mexico that controls the vast amount of wealth. And that's what the United States is turning itself into, an oligarchy. And so instead of Mexico seeing America as its role model, America now is trying to become Mexico. If Mexicans could not come to America to work illegally and send money home, which is having a hell of an impact on our economy, the remittances, the wired money, the money that we know about, as opposed to the money that gets smuggled out by being converted to gold or or contraband, or, or, or stuffed into furniture. Believe me, you'd be amazed at how people move money out of the country. The wired money to Mexico generally runs around 20 to $25 billion a year. Altogether, we're losing close to $200 billion a year in remittances. Now they've concealed the numbers after I started writing about it. So if you add that to the multiplier effect, the annual increase in America's national debt, the annual increase in the U.S. national debt, really is the result of immigration and and the wages that are leaving the United States. And that's before you look at wage suppression, the destruction of the middle class, and the shrinking um, tax base that America has to rely on, and the the extreme costs of these safety net programs. This is a huge issue. It's not just terrorism, and it's not just the gangs and the drugs. It's an economic issue. It's an issue about the destruction of middle class wages. It's the destruction of the ability of Americans to live the American dream in their own country. These are all intertwined. How is this a left-right issue? Any American, and I don't care what your political orientation, unless you're a wackaloon or you have an ideology that is so strong, and believe me, most Americans who are registered as Democrats or Republicans aren't that sort of ideologue. Most Americans, I guarantee you, simply want to live safe lives in America. They want to know that there's an opportunity for them to be successful, and they want their kids to have even more opportunities than they have. And I don't care if you're a Democrat or a Republican, if we're going to be honest about this. We want our kids to do well and do better than us, and we want to know that we live in relative safety. We want the military to keep America's enemies away from our shores. We want the police to keep the streets safe, the schools to educate our children, And we want people to be treated fairly in the United States. I'm registered as a Democrat. That's certainly what I believe in. My dad will always be my biggest hero, and my mom. They were wonderful people. I lost them when I was in college. My dad was a construction worker, a tradesman, plumber. You know, 
I'm blue collar, even though my dad and mom made sure I went to college. I got my degree in communications, arts, and sciences. They weren't so lucky. My mom came here ahead of the Holocaust. Her mother, my grandmother, died in Poland. I was named for her. My father was uh, had an eighth-grade education and, and immediately had to go to work to help support his family. But they made sure that I had the opportunities they did not have. But you look at blue-collar America. Look at the building trades. Look at what's happening to the building trades because of day laborers. Is this how we honor American workers? Is this how we honor lawful immigrants? And I don't care what your political orientation is. If you're fair, then you have to agree that there's something terribly wrong with this picture. But yet when they talked about that doctor being dragged off the airplane, no pollster came on any of those news programs with all those fancy graphs with the multicolored lines going up, down, and sideways, and talked about, well, the Democrats thought he shouldn't have been dragged off, and the Republicans said he should. No one said that. That would be outrageous. It would be preposterous. Nobody questioned if Latino Americans thought the guy should be dragged off the airplane. Why, then, is immigration always reported on as a left-right issue Why do we keep hearing about Latino voters as though somehow they're different from other Americans? I'm going to be blunt. If you think Americans who are of Latino heritage, Latino ethnicity, Hispanic ethnicity, if you think they're different from other Americans, by definition you're a bigot and a racist and you're profiling in a way that's disgusting. All Americans, and I don't care if your last name is Rodriguez, or Sanchez, or Goldstein, or Jackson, or Smith, okay? All Americans want the same for themselves and their families. They want to be able to live in peace, be successful, and have better lives for their children. That's what they want, unless there's something really, really inherently wrong with them. But yet, Think how many times the pollsters come on and talk about Latino voters and black voters and Jewish voters. It's racism, folks. Don't you see what's happening? And they're doing the same thing with this issue about left and right. No Americans are benefiting when Americans are losing their jobs, losing their homes, and going from being middle-class tax-paying consumers to people living in poverty with no Um, discretionary money to spend anywhere it hurts the small businesses it hurts the people that fall into poverty and it destroys the opportunities for those kids that live in those families i don't care if you're a democrat or republican and independent nobody should be happy with that set of circumstances turn on the evening news and watch the bs fly it's a real you know what storm right when it hits the fan well, it's hitting the fan every night on every network, all this BS about Latino voters and black voters and the Democrats and the Republicans and open borders and language like anti-immigrant and pro-immigrant. If you want to enforce the law, you're anti-immigrant. If you think anarchy is okay, then you're pro-immigrant. That's a lie, a bald lie. In reality, if you're an American... If you're a decent human being, if you have common sense, you want those borders secured against illegal entry. You want the bad guys, you want the drugs, you want the terrorists to stay out. Yes, 
We want to admit people into this country, but not when it costs Americans their jobs. The immigration laws used to be enforced by the Labor Department, and they still have a role to play because the Labor Department has to give certification before an alien can immigrate if the, if the justification for the immigration is a job in the United States. The idea is to not make Americans compete with foreign workers for their jobs. That's how we built the middle class and with it the American dream. So having gotten that off my chest, this is cathartic, I guess, but I do hope I make sense to you. We've got to stop accepting these lies that we're being spoon-fed every single night. It's a steady drumbeat. It's a steady drumbeat. You know? And after a while, you don't even hear the drums, but you get the message. And what is the message? That somehow you're a bigot if, it, if you are opposed to criminals coming across the border, if you are opposed to leaving America vulnerable to terrorism, and you are a bigot if you are not willing to see Americans lose their jobs to foreign workers. In other words, you have to be suicidal or you're a bigot. This is crazy. It's absolute madness. How anybody could fall for this scam is beyond me. But then I guess you look at the folks that went out and spent good money on the pet rock, and if that wasn't dumb enough, a year later they went out and spent more money on the training manual for that pet rock, so what more can I say? I rest my case. Now, um, I, I want to turn to my latest article that was just published um, early this morning. And this, again, Front Page Magazine, David Horowitz, Freedom Center, does great work, proud to be associated with them. And the title of my article, Border Security is National Security, and the subtitle, Yet GOP Leaders Will Still Withhold the Funds for a Wall Along the U.S.-Mexican Border. Now, you know, for years I have said that simply putting a wall along the border won't work. The idea that we have four border states is, again, another one of those carefully crafted lies. Um, America is a country of 50 border states. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Any state with an international airport, any state that lies along the northern or the southern borders, any state that has access to America's 95 thousand miles of coastline are all border states who are we leaving out so we're a country of 50 border states and there are many holes in the system that have to be plugged this isn't an either or and when people talk about the amount of money that would cost to build a wall i want to upchuck i really want to toss my cookies first of all if you look at the billions of dollars in money flowing out of the united states because of the drug trade that money alone will pay for the wall and then some. When you look at people here in New York and you say, well, you know, we're New Yorkers. We don't have to worry about immigration. You know, we're not a border state. And that's why they concoct a story. Well, a recent Pew study, and I take everything that Pew and these other groups do with a huge grain of salt, but they came up with a statistic that shows that New York metropolitan area has the greatest number of illegal aliens in the entire United States of America, the border city of, of New York. Think about that. Think about the fact that a, a drug dealer, a dirtbag, by the name of El Chapo Guzman, arguably one of the most pernicious and violent dirtbags in the history of the drug trade, a Mexican, was extradited to the United States to stand trial 
because he moved billions and billions and billions of dollars worth of drugs into the United States. He's responsible for, you know, thousands of murders in Mexico and murders here in the United States as well as part of his drug trafficking enterprise. Now, guess where he is going on trial? Here in New York City, in the Eastern District of New York, because if you go to Roosevelt Avenue in Jackson Heights, that's Mexico Drug Central. They have money wire services that are open 24-7, and it's not one or two places. I did a ride-along with the police in Minnesota. They were showing me some immigrant neighborhoods and saying, well, look, in the neighborhood where the, the, the preponderance of the Somalians live, because they have a huge Somali population, and they have a problem with Somali gangs also, by the way, in Minnesota. <clears throat> and I did a ride-along with one of the sheriffs. He said, they have three money wire services. Can you imagine how much money that they have to be moving that they need three places? And I, I kind of laughed, and I told the deputy, I said, you know, if you came to uh, New York City, and you go down Roosevelt Avenue, and you go down Broadway up in uh, Upper Manhattan, uh, you would see hundreds of those money wire services. New York is ground zero, not just for terrorism, but for the drug trade. And New York is a sanctuary city, which is the best thing, best thing that the mayor could possibly have done for the drug traffickers. Think of how that helps to shield the people involved with the drug trade in New York from detection by ICE. And then you get the politicians who say, well, we want to go after the human traffickers. Really? Well, the way you go after human traffickers is you arrest aliens who were smuggled into the United States, and then they give you the information you need to be able to prosecute the drug trafficker. That's how it works. How do I know? Well, I spent several years with the um, anti-smuggling unit in New York City. We were identifying safe houses where the, the alien smugglers would bring those aliens into the New York area, hold them at gunpoint, basically for ransom. So we broke those up. And then we got the aliens to tell us how they came into the United States, often across the Mexican border, and we could backtrack it and ultimately put together a case against the human traffickers, and we locked them up um, down on the border. But we needed to get a hold of the smuggled aliens first. And by the way, the aliens who cooperated were often given permission to remain in the United States and work here legally and give them visas. And more has been done over the past several years to make it easier for them to get visas. So if mayors of sanctuary cities really wanted to help what they call those vulnerable people, they should be having the police bring those aliens to immigration with the understanding that for good, solid information, we're going to let them stay here and give them permission to work. And eventually, if they really hit home runs for us, they can even ultimately bring their families here. How wonderful would that be for everybody involved? And so the people that want to be compassionate, boy, oh, boy, there's your golden opportunity. We're not just going to hide you in the shadows. That's nonsense. We're going to bring you out into the sunshine. We're going to give you lawful status. You have to help us. We'll help you. And, in fact, when I was up at DEA and the FBI and ATF, I had desks at all those agencies. One of my key responsibilities, besides being another warm body on the raids, besides being another guy out there helping to make arrests and do surveillance, I had another responsibility. Uh, and one of those responsibilities was to help to use uh, my, my authority as an immigration agent to cultivate informants and cooperating witnesses. 
That's how effective immigration law can be to getting people out of the shadows and getting the intelligence we need, actionable intelligence, so we could combat human trafficking. Think about that. And we also provided our perspectives to look at where immigration laws were being violated so we could bring extra charges against the bad guys and so forth. Immigration is an integral part of the drug task force for that reason, just as it is an integral part of the joint terrorism task force. You don't hear that in the newspapers. You don't hear that when you turn to TV because there's no immigration agents on. You have pollsters on. You have women on from this group or guys on from that group, you know, the jump up and down websites. Oh, wow, so-and-so writes for this website. Do they have any background? No. Have they ever interrogated a smuggler? Uh-uh. Would they know how to put together an investigation? Certainly not. But yet they come on TV and talk about their, their ideas about immigration based on what? Based on what? Nothing. Less than nothing. Why are they there? Why are they there? You know, when I, I, I was averaging 15 TV interviews per month after 9-11, and sometimes the hosts of those programs would ask me questions about the military. I'll be honest, I refused to answer. Not because I was being stubborn, but because I didn't have the sort of knowledge that I thought was worth sharing with anybody. Opinions are like backsides, you know, everybody's got one. But if your opinion isn't based on fact or direct experience, I'm not going to go on national TV and waste everybody's time. That's dumb. But where immigration's concerned, that's who you're hearing from. Turn on the TV this weekend. I challenge you. And I don't care what network you're listening to. The, the two exceptions, I, I've been doing quite a few appearances uh, over at One American News Network and Newsmax. Any other network, you are not likely to see immigration agents. You may see a Border Patrol agent here and there, maybe. But that just is then to feed the notion that this is just about the Mexican border. But I will tell you that that wall needs to be built. That wall absolutely needs to be built. I compare the wall on the border to a wing on an airplane. You see, without the wing, the airplane won't fly, but the wing itself goes nowhere. The wing is simply a part of a bigger system, the airplane. The wall is an essential part of a bigger system, the overall immigration enforcement program. So there's many other holes that we got to plug, but certainly that fence on the border, that wall on the border, would be a very big uh, component to providing border security. And, uh, you know, that, that's something we need to do. But you're not going to hear that in that way on television. Now, here's something that's interesting. If you look at my article about border security as national security, what I also provided you with, and, and I would love for you to go to Front Page Magazine, frontpagemag.com, and when you go there, what I, what I want you to look at is these articles that I've written. And if you like them, post it on social media. Tell your friends about it. I, this is about educating people. That's what this is all about. That's why I sit here on Friday evenings to try to provide the information you're not getting anywhere else. Now, here's, I linked my article to an article written by Steve Dynan over at the Washington Times. And Steve, I, I know Stephen, and he's been covering immigration forever. And he, he did a really good piece today, and he talked about an individual by the name of Sharafat Ali Khan. Now, this is an alien smuggler from Pakistan who was a resident of Brazil. 
that he was moving aliens from the Middle East, from terrorist hotspots, into the United States, but through Brazil. And I, I first saw the item about this because ICE, Immigration and Customs Enforcement, put out a, a news release the same day. And this was just a couple of days ago on uh, April the 12th. There was a news release by ICE, and there was a Washington Times article. The links to both of those items are in my article about border security as national security, talking specifically about Sharafat Ali Khan. This guy's a Pakistani. And and, and here's a paragraph from um, Stephen Diner's article. He said this, Sharafat Ali Khan specialized in smuggling illegal immigrants from Afghanistan Pakistan and Bangladesh over to the West where they would be staged in Brazil before being sent north to try to penetrate the United States. Continuing with his article, one of the men Khan helped to smuggle into the country was an Afghan who authorities said was involved in a plot to conduct an attack in the United States or Canada and had family ties to members of the Taliban. And how is he bringing him into the United States? through the Mexican border, and this has been going on for several years. So understand how important this is. Now, here's something interesting, again, according to Dinan's article. Khan also agreed to accept deportation after he serves his time, because he's pleading guilty to the charge of alien smuggling, though not before making a plea to stay in the United States. And he said this. I want to stay here. I am a poor person. I would like to stay here if possible. I would like to apply for asylum, he said, speaking through a translator. And if we didn't know that he was an alien smuggler, the odds are that he would have successfully applied for political asylum. Do you see why the asylum program is so dangerous if we don't know who we're dealing with? And half the time we don't. The other thing that you will see in my article is special significance Brazil and its link to terror ta- training camps by ISIS, Al-Qaeda, um, and others. Read the article. You'll be astonished if you're not aware of the tri-border region of Brazil, how dangerous it is. So when you have someone who is a Pakistani citizen who becomes a resident of Brazil and moves aliens suspected to be involved with terrorism, or at least aliens who come from countries that are associated with terrorism through Brazil, alarm bells, in my mind, clang like you would not believe. This is a very serious problem, okay? And you need to understand just how serious it is. Now, the final point that I want to make, I've been writing about sanctuary cities because they absolutely are our bane. They undermine public safety and national security. They make it so difficult for the United States federal agents to go after human trafficking groups. I, I just said that. And I, you know, I keep making the point that as an agent, we used to get the smuggled alien tell us who brought them here, and then we could identify the smuggler. Well, I, I sort of got a, I won't say a chuckle, but you know, in any event, Again, turning to the Dinan article, short paragraph. I, I think you'll find this interesting. Uh, well, it's actually two, two quick paragraphs here. The Washington Times first reported on the smuggling network last year, but was asked by law enforcement officials to withhold Khan's name to preserve the investigation. The Times is stopped, still not publishing the names of Khan's clients or his associates in the smuggling operation. Now, here is the key Portion. Listen to this carefully. 
American officials sniffed out the network of smugglers by interrogating migrants nabbed at the U.S. border and considered the breakup of Khan's operation an early success. Well, what are they saying? Exactly what I am telling you. The first step to dismantling human smuggling operations is to arrest the aliens who are smuggled. And that's exactly how our agents were able to discover this guy Khan and his cohorts who were moving aliens into the United States from countries that sponsor terrorism. Every sanctuary city creates an impediment to the federal government's ability to track down smugglers of illegal aliens and narcotics. Smugglers' best friends are the mayors of sanctuary cities because if ICE can't get their hands on the smuggled aliens, they are unable to identify the smugglers. It's that simple. And it doesn't only impact that one city because terrorists can use sanctuary cities as a staging ground to launch terrorist attacks in other cities. Gangs can use sanctuary cities as a staging safe ground area to go out and commit crimes in neighboring communities and towns. Sanctuary cities create incentives for people to run the border and enter the United States or to come with visas and violate the terms of their visas, knowing full well that once they get to a sanctuary city, those cities will do everything possible to prevent ICE from becoming aware of their presence in the United States. This is so dangerous, I cannot tell you, in in, in terms of how many hours of sleep I lose a week thinking about what New York is doing with sanctuary cities. This is deadly, serious business. This isn't just, gee whiz, we want to get rid of the dishwashers. That's not what this is about, folks. And by the way, when people say we're only going to deport people that are criminals, that's crazy. Because terrorists have come to understand that as long as they don't get arrested, they don't have to worry about immigration. So terrorists generally embed themselves in communities the way that the old Nazi war criminals did, by taking a menial job that doesn't raise any suspicions. For terrorists, the ideal job is one that brings them into contact routinely with lots of people in the course of an average day. Ideally, it involves driving a vehicle, which is why the driver's license is such a big deal. How many times have you heard about a terrorist who was driving an airport limo or van or an ice cream truck or a taxi cab? Why? Because if you're driving a taxi and some guy gets in the back of your car, is he a customer simply going to a meeting somewhere or a dentist's appointment? Or is he having a clandestine meeting with the driver? And I will tell you, because I've logged thousands of hours of surveillance, there's no way of knowing. There's no way of knowing. The guy gets in the back of the car, car delivers him somewhere else, he gets out of the car, and he goes on his merry way. Was that a meeting, or was that simply a passenger taking a ride somewhere? Who knows? Who knows? And today, if you have a memory card, all you have to do, or a flash drive, pay the driver. You could be doing a surveillance, and the guy pays him and hands him a flash drive with money wrapped around it. And all you see is the money changing hands, not knowing that there was a flash drive with, with an entire encyclopedia of information on it. You know, in the old days, in the days of 
um, the spy story that I was just talking about, the whole thing was micro dots and microfilm and all this other business, hollowed out nickels. Uh, and you'll see that in the movie, by the way, if you take the time to watch. Great flick. You know, microwave some popcorn, sit back and, and go watch Bridge of Spies. And, and, and there you'll see they were using hollowed out coins. Today you don't need a hollowed out coin. All you need is a flash drive or an SD card. You swap that with somebody, and you could be passing volumes of information, photographs, whatever. Understand how dangerous this is. So when you create sanctuary cities, you're creating opportunities for terrorists and spies and fugitives from justice to set up shop in America. Why on earth would we do this to ourselves? These are self-inflicted wounds being done by our own politicians from both parties. Both parties. And when I listen to Senator Menendez say that a wall on the border is a wall of hate, it would stop commerce. What commerce are we talking about? The wall isn't going to be put in front of the port of entry. It's just going to funnel all the traffic through ports of entry. If they were saying they were shutting down ports of entry and were sealing the border, I would be against it also. But that's not what this is designed to do. It's simply designed to make sure that people have to go in the way they're supposed to go in. Just like when you go into the bank and you have the velvet rope guiding you, they do this here also so that it's orderly and so that there's no chaos and so that these aliens can be properly screened, properly vetted. That's unreasonable. By the way, the magnitude of the drug trafficking activity, uh, activities of El Chapo Guzman almost by itself would be a big down payment on the on this wall that Donald Trump wants to build. The government, the federal government of the United States is seeking to seize from this one trafficker, this one uh, cartel leader, over $14 billion, with a B, billion dollars if I have the statistic right. That's a lot of money. And by the way, we spend $14 billion a year on Customs and Border Protection. So when you look at all the money involved, what are we doing? Why in the world wouldn't you want people to go through ports of entry? Would you be comfortable to have people not inspected when they land in the United States at an international airport and then just grab their suitcase and go where they want? No. You come into another country, you land at an international airport. It's called an international airport because they have federal inspection services there. I did that job for the first four years of my career. And part of what you're trying to do is keep out aliens who are either criminals or terrorists or would take the jobs of Americans. What in the world is unfair or uncompassionate about that? Why does nobody ever talk about the plight of displaced American workers? 60 Minutes did a good story a couple of weeks ago about the H2, uh, H-1B visa program, but those reports are in the minority. Mostly the material about immigration deals with the plight of the illegal or the plight of the foreign worker, and no one seems to care about the average American. Well, if people were upset about watching that doctor yanked off an airplane, they should be no less upset, I would submit to you, and the plight of American workers dragged out of their offices and factories through no fault of their own, going to work year after year, being loyal, effective, proficient workers, and then losing their jobs because of the greed of their employers, aided and abetted by corrupt politicians. That's not what America is supposed to be about. 
And that's something that we, the people, can change. You know, once again, uh, I find the hour goes so quickly. I hope you find it to be the case as well. Um, I really hope you enjoy this program. I hope that you find the information useful because I assure you, you're not getting this anyplace else. And if you do like this, please let as many of your friends and neighbors know about it. And again, if you like the articles, if you like this program, post it on Facebook, post it in the social media, and let's see how many of our fellow Americans we can wake up with the truth. The truth shall set you free, and knowledge certainly is power. I always like to make the point that democracy is not a spectator sport, so please do get involved. Please reach out to your elected representatives and let them in on the fact that you're not as dumb as they hope we are. We can turn this around, but only if we the people are willing to work at it. In any event, wherever you are this weekend, I hope that it's a great one for you, your friends, your family, those people close to you. Hope you have a terrific weekend. And I hope you'll join me again uh, right here next week, once again, on the Michael Cutler Hour. But meanwhile, have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. So long.